a man who once helped carry the heaviest burden in history. He has one name, is huge in size, and he goes where he is sent, to help others. His true identity is an enigma, and we must find out who he really is. Let's begin with Chapter 1 of The Forever Man. The residents of Madison Acres Retirement Home numbered 83, 79 women and 4 men. The full capacity of the home was 90, and Ezra Johnson, the administrator, intended to regain the maximum count by month's end. February had brought a rash of deaths. Influenza had killed three women and a man. Two more had died of natural causes in March, and the last one had died on April 15th, income tax day. In the modern world, that was enough to frighten anyone to death. It was a poor attempt at gallows humor, and Johnson's laughter was as dry as his personality. Johnson was 47 years old, wore steel-rimmed glasses, was slight of build with a pronounced paunch, slightly stoop-shouldered, and he looked like a stereotype of a man who would occupy such a job. His medium brown hair was close-cropped, his eyes were a watery blue, his hands were endlessly restless, and his voice was non-threatening. He had taken his undergraduate degree in accounting, tested for and passed his CPA exam, and gone to work for the Bettinger Corporation owners and operators of retirement and nursing homes in seven northeastern states. Madison Acres was about four miles from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and Johnson was in his seventh year as the director. Johnson had chosen not to marry. His one-story brick ranch home was about two miles from the facility, and he spent his free time browsing the antique shops flea markets, and Amish and Mennonite businesses and operations throughout the Lancaster area. He was respected and feared by the staff for his meticulous approach to management of the home. But he was not involved with any of them outside of work. It was his policy to never fraternize with the help. Johnson felt that such relationships could compromise his ability to hire and fire, when necessary, and he had no intention of ever allowing himself to like anyone to the point of where his job would be undermined or threatened. He had watched his father die an early death when he was laid off from the corporation he had willingly served for 33 years, and he would absolutely not place himself in jeopardy if he could avoid it. Johnson was a numbers man in everything he did. If the numbers added up in his favor, he stuck to them. Emotion played no role in the life of Ezra Johnson. His mother still lived in their two-story clapboard home in Phillipsburg, Pennsylvania, and two of his three older sisters also lived in that town. He returned home for holidays and dutifully sent his seven nieces and nephews cards and sensible money gifts for birthdays and graduations. Johnson believed in structure, carefully written regulations, annual employee reviews, 
following strict guidelines, loyalty, truthfulness, honesty, and he did not allow anyone under his jurisdiction to stray from the prescribed methods of advancing the corporate agenda and keeping it profitable for his superiors. The Madison Acres facility was a business first and a retirement home second. It produced money for the parent company, and Johnson saw to it that this was first priority. The marketing approach used by Bettinger was good. The brochures and graphics were informative without being ostentatious. The furnishings were one step above utilitarian. Decorations were kept to a minimum. The food was of sufficient quantity, but bland. In the world of retirement homes, Madison Acres would be described as second level. Johnson kept it this way with a tight rein on all expenditures. It was more affordable than the more opulent homes, but the margins were much better. His bosses thought of him as a cold fish, but they respected his rate of return. It was one of the top five most profitable homes in their stable of 27 homes in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Connecticut, New York, New Hampshire, Vermont, and Massachusetts. Three families had been interviewed, and it looked like they would be bringing their relatives to Madison Acres to begin residency by the month's end. All three were women. It is axiomatic that the vast majority of retirement home residents are female. Men simply do not live long enough, on average, to make it to the last lap of life. This thought brought another internal dry chuckle to Johnson's mind. Three more family interviews had been booked, and if they qualified, the total count would be 89, just one short of maximum. The weekend slipped by, and the first interview had been set for Monday afternoon. Interviews two and three were held on Tuesday and Thursday, respectively, and as far as fortune was concerned, all three potential residents had qualified with still a week to go to try and add one more to fill every bedroom. Unless families demanded such, women were housed two to a bedroom. The four men who were in residence each had their own small room in the east wing. Madison Acres was designed in the shape of a cross, with the longer span housing the offices, nurse's office, dining room, TV room, and game room. The laundry facility was housed in a separate building. Ezra Johnson attended a Methodist church about a mile from his home. It carried the name of the founder of Methodism, John Wesley. Johnson thought this was appropriate. He went to church so that he could say that he attended church. He did not believe in the faith, but appearances were important. No one suspected that his soul was as empty as his dry smile and his lack of warmth. His attendance was also good for business. The problem on his desk was to find one more person to fill the home. He wanted it operating at full capacity. He was a no-nonsense man 
who expected others to get with the program or get out of the way. He did not expect what was coming. The term rude awakening was about to take on a whole new reality for Ezra Johnson. The fun was about to begin.